0: You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches through the Book of Acts. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, for pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, he calls you now.
1: witness in a dying world that leads one of those lost souls to Christ you may never get the chance to see it but it's the witness that counts it's your love of Christ in your heart that gets a chance we need to bring the world to Christ one sinner at a time one sinner at a time is what we need to bring the world to Christ with most of us will never get to speak in front of a crowd of, of this many let alone thousands
0: all of our work is going to be one on one Pastor Dave encourages us to do our duty, to live out the Great Commission. As believers, we are ambassadors for Christ on earth. Therefore, we must take advantage of our sphere of influence to fearlessly share the good news of salvation through faith in Christ. If we're faithful to tell others, the Lord will provide a harvest. Now here's Pastor Dave in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19 for his continuing study entitled, Win Some, Lose Some.
1: God will never ask you to do something that he has not empowered you to do. God will never ask you to witness to a person. God will never ask you to go up to a place of disaster and minister to people if he has not given you the power to do so. When Christ gave the Great Commission, he reminded us that we go forth, not in our own power, not in our own strength, but Christ's strength. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus reminds us that he has all power. Praise the Lord. And he is always with us through the Holy Spirit. Remember last week when we spoke about Psalm 139? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You're everywhere. You're omnipresent, Lord. Even when we began our study in the book of Acts, we said that the whole theme of the book of Acts were the disciples witnessing Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the whole theme of the book of Acts. In fact, in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, Jesus said to them, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For truly John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he went on to say, in the key verse of the entire book of Acts, he says in verse 8 of chapter 1, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Was talking to Lou and Ruth before um, service today, we talked about all the wonderful, wonderful treasures that we sent off to down up here by Fortescue. And we were talking about how we wanted to help the local people, how we wanted to help those in need around here, because this is our Jerusalem. Lower Township is our Jerusalem. When you get out towards Vineland, that may be Judea and Samaria. When you get out near Down, that might be even other things. Forkett River, Pleasant Point, those are the outer points of the world. They're the end. You know, they're the end of the earth. But we minister to our own people, and we keep on ministering and throwing away. When, when John and Cheryl go to go to, to go to Panama, surely that seems like the end of the earth to most of us. You know, but, but they're taking the gospel message from their Jerusalem and they're taking it out to the ends of the earth. And that's what we're being called to do. That's the charge that the church has been given. And, but we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Well, we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we try, we're going to fail miserably. D.L. Moody said It's easier to hear without ears or breathe without a breath than living the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We must allow Him to over, help us overcome our fears. We must set our hearts and minds on winning those for Christ, especially in these last days. Have you read a newspaper? Have you listened to a news broadcast of what's happening over in Israel today? How they are on the brink of war. Is this the war? We don't know. We're to be looking and we're to be watching for signs. We need to win souls for Christ. We need to get people to come into his kingdom. We need to be people to be born again. We have the message. It becomes now a matter of life and death. We have that. Those that mocked Paul were clearly not interested in the truth, and unfortunately, you're going to receive this response when you witness of Jesus Christ. People are going to mock you.
0: Huh?
1: They're going to mock you. They're going to make faces at you. We have to be ready for this, but we can't let this prevent us from being the ambassadors God has called us to do or to be. Yes, some mock Paul. And the other response is, some said, we'll hear you again on this matter. This is the second of the three responses. Have you ever witnessed to anybody or been around talking about your Christianity and somebody says to you, well, that's all fine and good for you. But that's not for me. I was reading Pastor Chuck and he said that I think, he said, I think that one of the worst attitudes is that of complacency. A person who is really upset and yelling at you because you've witnessed to them is far closer to the Lord's and salvation than the person who says, I don't want any part of it, or has a complacent and apathetic attitude. We need to be aware of that. That complacent attitude towards Christ is one of the most difficult things to do, deal with. You want a person to get stirred up. You want a person to get angry at you when you preach the gospel or talk about them. You want them, their hearts to be angry and, and thinking about that. So, Paul found mocking. He found complacency. The council didn't take the word of God seriously. These folks who said, "We'll hear you again on that matter." They didn't want to hear him again. They just wanted to get rid of him. They just wanted to close the door in his face. "We don't want to hear you again in that matter. We just want to get rid of you." "Come back tomorrow." Yeah, yeah, come back another time. You know, the Bible warns us about those who continue to put off God's call upon their lives. The Bible says, "Your hearts will become hardened." Your hearts will become hardened not only for salvation, but how about some Christians who have the call of God's on their life and they keep putting it off? They keep putting it off for another time. They keep wandering around, wandering around. God, uh, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Instead of sitting before God listening and waiting for Him to show them what He wants them, them to do, they can't figure out what they want to do. What do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? And what happens is they become hardened to God's voice. They become hardened to the things that God has chosen to do. Daddy said she just said the Lord showed me I should go, and she went. If we sit there and continually pray about it, and 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 pray about it, years go by, and we're still praying about it. God gives you a call, He's going to empower you to send you and to get you going. The writer of Hebrews clearly says in Hebrews 4 7 when he quotes Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Enter into the rest given to us by the Lord through Jesus Christ. Don't procrastinate. And that's what the council was doing. Some of the council was procrastinating. They're putting off a decision for Christ, and that is a dangerous place to be. Look what happens next. The very next verse, very small words. So Paul departed from among them. He didn't argue with them. He just left. Listen to what R. Kent Hughes says. When men were angry with Paul, he argued back with them. When he was persecuted, he would be returned to the place of persecution. But for intellectual flippancy and moral dishonesty, he had no stomach. These men rejected the message, and they mocked the messenger. These men were apathetic towards the gospel. They were proud. They were sophisticated. They thought themselves to be very wise and intelligent. They didn't take the heart, the humbling message that the gospel brings because of their pride, because of their wisdom and their knowledge, supposedly. What did Paul call them? Ignorant, without knowledge. They had no knowledge of God. But this noncommittal attitude is probably one of the worst. Paul had no further words to say. He wasn't going to cast his pearls before swine. He said, I've given you the message. I've borne witness of it. It's yours. You're responsible. See ya. So some mocked Paul, and some were apathetic to Paul's message. But there was a third response, the response everyone wants. Some believed. Some accepted Christ as their Savior and were born again. We read that in verse 32. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Amaris, and others with them. It was a very, very small harvest, but praise God for the small harvest. Praise God for the small harvest. So if you look at our baseball cliche and you apply it, some believe. Some accepted Paul's message and became Christian, so he won some. And he lost some to the world, and they mocked him. And some were rained out. They were apathetic, and they wanted to hear him later. They didn't make a decision. But he suited up. He witnessed to all of them. Everyone heard the message of God. Everyone heard, everyone within an earshot of Paul heard what the message of God was and they heard the gospel message. Paul had accomplished exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. We cannot be discouraged when we witness to Jesus about, to people about Jesus. Many times you will witness and you will see no fruit. You will see absolutely no fruit. But we need to be confident that the Lord will do a work in those hearts to those that we witness to and do what's necessary to bring them to salvation. That's the Lord's job. He's given you the message to take. That's the Lord's job to bring them to salvation, to quicken their hearts to the Holy Spirit, to the truth of who He is. But it's our job to take the message. But the reality is, whether 100 get saved or 1 gets saved, there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing. Jesus gives this great parable in Luke 15. Gives several parables. Let me read it to you. So he spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which he has lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I've lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner. Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. What does it mean for a person to be lost? What does it mean for a person to be lost? Being lost means that your life is separated from God and you're living by your own rules instead of his rules. Being lost means that sin dominates your life and it's destroying you. Being lost means that because of sin, some have become lost to their family. They've lost husbands, they've lost wives, they've lost fathers, mothers, sisters and brothers. They've become estranged from them because of the sin, because they're lost. Some have become lost to their community. They're now involved in illegal activities and are even a threat to their community because of their sin. Some have suffered a loss of a church. They rarely attend because of their involvement of things of the flesh. And and their flesh has so dominated their life that there's no room for the Holy Spirit. But I read in this verse where Jesus says, Be of good cheer. I've come to save that which was lost. The hound of heaven is seeking out the lost. The hound of heaven, Jesus Christ, is seeking out that which was lost. He wants to bring the lost back and reconcile them to God. The hound of heaven is seeking those that don't want any part of God. He's seeking them. It just might be our witness in the dying world that leads one of those lost souls to Christ. You may never get the chance to see it, but it's the witness that counts. It's your love of Christ in your heart that gets a chance. We need to bring the world to Christ one sinner at a time. One sinner at a time is what we need to bring the world to Christ with. Most of us will never get to speak in front of a crowd of, of this many, let alone thousands all of our work is going to be one-on-one with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our schoolmates, with our classmates, with those we know, with those we come in contact. We can't be afraid of mockery. We can't be afraid of rejection and failure. Like I said, the issue at the hand in the world now is life or death. It's a life or death issue, folks. We can't be afraid of the halls of academia. Oh, they're much smarter than I. They're very, very intelligent. I'm afraid of them. No, we must present to those that are wise the true wisdom of God. The true wisdom of God must be presented because they're ignorant of it. We must help those that are lost to the community back to Christ. Yes, those that are in the illegal thing doing, we must help them find Christ. We can't run away from them because they need the Lord, they need Jesus Christ. And we must help those that are lost to their church because of their sin to find their way back to God. Christ has called us to be ambassadors and He's given us His authority to go and make disciples. And He's empowered us by the Holy Spirit. We who are believers must never grow weary. We must never grow weary of doing good. We must never grow weary of being ambassadors for Christ. We must never grow weary of any endeavor that would bring people to Christ. We cannot allow our apathy. We cannot allow our own lifestyle or apathy when it comes to the gospel. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot be complacent with the word of God. Where's we said this? When the truth comes, we must interact with it and appropriate it. One of the great sins of the church today is the dispassionate hearing of the word of God. Because of this, there are many who are spiritually ill, unable to comprehend the truths they once held dear. Only God can deliver his children from such apathy. I don't want to be one of those churches. I don't want to be an apathetic church. I want to be a church that's on fire for God, that's on fire for Jesus Christ, that's filled with the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to lead this church, to guide this church into whatever God chooses us to do so that the light from this church will shine bright in Lower township and touch the hearts of those people that need their hearts touched by God. So what can we learn from Paul's message as we look back over the last couple of weeks when we, when we looked at Acts 17? What can we learn from Paul's message here? We can glean some important examples of this about our own witnessing. First, I believe that Paul's message was Biblical. I agree with Bruce when he said, like the biblical revelation itself, his argument begins with God the creator of all and ends with God the judge of all. The speech as it stands admirably summarizes an introductory lesson in Christianity for cultured pagans. I agree with that. So we apply these biblical truths to our, wife, our lives and how they affect our own witnessings. We have the source of truth. We have God's truth right here and we apply it to our lives but the foremost thought is we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the foremost thought here, folks. We must be spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be witnesses of Christ. We saw that in Acts 1.8. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to be composed when we're faced with horrible sins. If I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit and I see these horrible sins in people's lives, I'm going to get angry and I'm going to act out of the flesh. But if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have composure. And I'll be able to speak the gospel to them, knowing that they're lost. We really can't blame them for their sin. They're lost. They don't know any better. If I don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm going to act dispassionately towards them. Oh, yeah, they're not worth my time. What? Someone not worth God's time? Someone not worth God dying on the cross? God forbid... God forbid. We can't worry about fear and rejection because the Holy Spirit will remove fear from your heart. He will remove the fear of rejection from you. Now, I know all of us have received the Holy Spirit at conversion. We've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and that's biblical. We know that. But we need His power. We need the dunamis power to be witnesses. We need that power in us. When we studied Ephesians chapter 8, verse 18, we read, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The command here in the Greek was, be ye being filled. It's a constant filling. It's a constant flow of the Holy Spirit coming out upon you. It's a constant flow into you, empowering you for the work. Every time the disciples wanted to do something, they prayed for the Holy Spirit. We need boldness. Lord, give us boldness. The next verse says, and they were bold. Lord, give us this. And the next first they were that. They couldn't do anything without the Holy Spirit, except run like scared little girls when Jesus was being crucified. That's what they did without the Holy Spirit. They ran away. They ran because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. But look at the disciples after the Holy Spirit came. Look at Peter. Take Peter, prime example. Standing up, doesn't even care about his life anymore. He's standing up and he's giving witness to Christ. You can receive this empowerment. This empowerment is yours, and all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. In Luke 11, verse 13, it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, how much you then, being evil, who know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When you go out with power, without the power of the Holy Spirit, I can guarantee you will fail. And if you don't fail, then the power you got will be in your flesh and not of God. If we've learned anything from our, book, from our study in the book of Acts, we need to the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life the way God has intended it to be. The Holy Spirit will empower us to speak the gospel. We will speak of Christ and him crucified, Christ and him resurrected. Through the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, we will come to see the gospel as the power of God to salvation. Or are they just words written on the page? When Paul says the gospel is the power of God to salvation, what's the power he's talking about? The Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives salvation. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that quickened all our hearts at just the proper time and when he accepted Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, we lack the moral strength to stand in the face of adversity. We proved that in Peter. They all fled. Each of us lacks power in our own lives to gain victory over the flesh. Each of us lacks power in our own lives to gain victory over sin without the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will enable us to conquer the world, not by the sword, but by the word of God. One commentator said, The power of the Holy Spirit, we can learn that Paul from Paul that we cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without the doctrine of God, the cross without creation, or salvation without judgment. It's dangerous to judge the content of the message by the magnitude of the response. You can't judge your message when no one receives. Because people don't make a decision in front of you, don't judge your message and what you said. Don't fall for that lie. Don't fall for that lie. In fact, many believe, and I'm one of them, that the problem wasn't with the message, the problem with the Athenians who heard it. They were too hung up in their idol worship. They were too hung up in their sin. They were too hung up in their intellect and in their wisdom to ex- accept a message. What does the scripture say? The cross is what to them? Foolishness. It's foolishness. Why would a man die for all? It doesn't compute in my brain. So they disputed it. They didn't want it. We have the power. It's available to us. You may not leave home without your American Express card, but I guarantee you better not leave home without the Holy Spirit. So remember this when you walk out the door. Remember this when you witness to somebody that, hey, sometimes you're going to win and people are going to accept the Lord and you're going to praise God. Sometimes you're going to lose. You're going to get mocked. Sometimes there'll be no decision. you will be rained out. But we need to suit up for all of them. We need to be ready in season out of season. Be ready to give that hope that lies within us. We need to be ready to give the hope that we have of Jesus Christ to share that with a dying world or else you're going to stand by and see them perish. I don't want to do that. I don't want to stand by while our friends and our families perish. I don't want to do that. I can't see us sitting on the sidelines. I don't know why I'm thinking, put me in coach, I'm ready to go, but there it is. I don't know why all these sports analogies are in my head today. I can't help it. Sorry, guys. Be ready for the battle. Be ready. Be ready through the Holy Spirit. Please, be ready.
0: Pastor Dave will continue teaching through the book of Acts the next time you join us. You know, programs like Cape Watch Radio can be a huge blessing that God uses in the lives of countless people. But we must always be careful about just hearing God's Word. Remember what James said? But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. As you join us each day here on Cape Watch Radio, it's our hope and prayer That you would not only hear God's Word, but that you would do God's Word. That you would take the lessons that you're learning here on Cape Watch Radio and apply them to your everyday life. We want to help you continue to apply God's Word to your life. We have resources to help you in this journey. Log on to www.capewatchradio.com. There you'll find helpful tools that you can use as you study God's Word. Again, our web address is capewatchradio.com. Or you can always give us a call. Our phone number here at Cape Watch Radio is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. And don't forget to place a marker in your Bibles and join us again as Pastor Dave continues teaching through the Word of God. Until next time, may God bless you.